What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of Free Method Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brie Campos, who has been on the podcast before, I think. Gosh, it's been a few years. I should have looked back to see, but it's been a little while. So welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, I would love, I know, again, like I said, you've been on the podcast, so if people have heard your episode, they probably heard you kind of tell a little bit about yourself and that sort of thing, but maybe even give us kind of like an update because assuming you were probably on in 2020, 2021, something like that. So kind of the past... Yeah, two years. Um, oh my gosh, has it been <laughs> which, that long? I know. I I could be wrong. Maybe it was just last year, but I no, feel like it might have been. That sounds about right. Because yeah. I think I just updated my body image bootcamp course. Yes, yes, so, you definitely had. I do remember wow. that. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was about mm, two years ago. So, yeah. um, uh, hi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see what's changed. I am uh, still a licensed mental health counselor in the state mm-hmm. of New Jersey. Um, I'm currently mostly doing uh, coaching. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I still do uh, supervision and consultation, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't have any therapy clients on my roster mm-hmm. right now. Do yeah. all coaching and um, actually started dabbling in a little bit of, uh, of business coaching because I think yeah. when it comes to it, my favorite thing is teaching. I really like mm-hmm. to teach. And I, I feel like I'm also somebody when I learn something and I'm like, oh, I got it. Then I like to teach other people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which we need more people like that because I feel like there's some people who are like, once they figure it out, they're like, I'm not telling anyone this. Yeah. So I love that you're passionate about like teaching and helping yeah. people grow. Oh, I love it. I love it. It just makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I bought a house. I am amazing. Things. Yeah, I'm. I'm living the country life. I'm yeah. in like a very suburban part of the New mm-hmm. Jersey. And now I'm. I'm living the lake life. So I'm yeah. loving it. Oh, that's so fun. What's the weather like in New Jersey right now? Is it like super hot? Is it pretty manageable? So uh, this is going to be a super unpopular opinion, but mm-hmm. I am loving the weather right yeah. now in New Jersey because it's hot, but it's not humid. So uh, yes. it's like, there, there's like a nice breeze. I'm like, I yes. could do summer if it was like this. Oh, but yes. Not when you like walk out of your house and you're, you're like, <gasps> I can't breathe. Yes. It's so hot. <laughs> yes. And that is how it is here in Nashville where it's yeah. very humid. No. I yeah. walk out and I'm like, no, we joined Hard a pool back. this summer, which has been like game changing. Cause I'm like, if I'm out of the house Outside, in the heat, the like, yes, like that is yeah. the only way. <laughs> and we don't have like, I'm from the beach originally. So I'm used to being able to like go sure. to the beach and I'm like, we don't, the lakes here aren't that great. So I'm like, I need some source of water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Um, well, I told you this before we hit record. I heard an episode you did on 
one of my friends and colleagues, Victoria Myers podcast, um, mm-hmm. talking all about set point and yeah. yeah, it like really got my like wheels turning, sparked my attention. And I was like, I want to talk to Brie about this because this is so interesting and something I've like never really even like myself thought much about and heard sure. people talk about. So yeah, I think maybe even first, I know we've done episodes or we've talked in the past on this podcast about like what set set point theory is and all that kind of jazz, but yeah, maybe start and just kind of tell us for people listening who are like, what is that? What is she saying? What does that mean? Um, But then also I would love to just kind of hear like your thoughts on it. Yeah, I would love to. So um, I don't know if you're an Office fan, but um, mm-hmm. in the Office, Michael Scott will say, explain it to yes. me like I'm fine. So, yes. <laughs> yes. That's, and that's what I, we want. <laughs> that's yes. The only way I understand it, and I also just want to yes. reference where I learned it from. So yes. um, I I read about uh, set waypoint theory from Lindo Bacon. Um, mm-hmm. And so from what I understand set waypoint to be, is that your body has a range in which Mm -hmm. it is comfortable existing and every Mm -hmm. person's set weight point is different and Mm -hmm. eat the same things, exercise the same way. And my set weight point might be different from your set weight point based Mm -hmm. off of the social determinants of health. So part of that, including genetics, Mm -hmm. that your genetic makeup makes up why your body size is the way that it is, but then it's also influenced by your socioeconomic status. It is mm-hmm. influenced by your uh, ability to access uh, food and healthcare. Um, it, it also, you know, considers um, your stress and just there's so many different things that impact um, your your uh set weight point so would you would you agree with that definition is that yes absolutely that's like the same way i would explain it so then tell us yeah tell us your thoughts on that and maybe even how you've seen it whether it's like clients or people you've coached or conversations you've had like how you've seen that maybe not be as helpful as maybe initially it may sound like oh maybe that helps but like maybe it doesn't. So yeah, I would love to hear. Yeah. Can I, can I curse on your podcast? Yes, that's fine. (laughs) So I think set waypoint theory is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) If I was going to sum it up and and here's the thing is like, you know, if, if you, you know, I'm sure that there is legitimacy to the research, but like one of the things that I feel like we don't even talk about enough is how even talking about the social determinants of health is Mm -hmm. in a very privileged conversation. Yeah. Um, be able to even think about like, well, what access to health do I have when there are people who don't know where their next meal is coming from, mm-hmm. right? So there's just a lot of privilege wrapped up in this conversation. And the way yeah. that I've seen set waypoint theory be harmful to my clients mm-hmm. is when they hear that it is unofficially co-signing their belief that they were meant to exist in a smaller body. Mm-hmm. And so that if they just do the intuitive eating diet, and I said that on purpose, yeah, their body is going to change and they're going mm-hmm. to become smaller. And from my experience, from my providers who I've worked with, I've worked with probably well over a hundred providers at this point. I have never mm-hmm. had one of them say, um, yeah, majority of my clients do intuitive eating and they lose weight. 
That is not, that is not, that's not usually what happens. Yeah. What happens is most people gain weight mm-hmm. and we do a disservice to clients by not mm-hmm. mentally preparing them that mm-hmm. you are most likely going to gain weight when yeah. you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's providers probably bringing in maybe even some of their own like internal weight bias that maybe they don't even notice. Cause I could see something like saying something like, okay, well, you know, you'll, we'll figure out where your set point weight is set weight. I always, I'm like, I don't even know what order the words go in set weight point, set point weight, whatever. Um, where to me also has kind of always sounded like this way of saying like, you're going to lose weight. We're just going to figure out how much versus like, we don't know what's going to happen to your weight. Maybe it's going to go up because if you've been restricting and now you're not like, yeah, that I'm, Uh I'm glad you said all that. I think it, I think it is a little bit of signaling, but I also, I just, you know, I want to tell the providers that listen to this, like, there's no shame. There's no judgment. Oh my gosh. Yes. I know that this is what you're taught to do. You're taught to say, well, why don't we put weight loss on the back burner? And as somebody mm-hmm. who was fat, I, 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 I identify as living in a fat body. Mm-hmm. Here's how that was harmful to me. Mm-hmm. I heard that and thought, mm-hmm. okay, weight is going to get to be important at some point. Mm-hmm. And then when it's like, but hold on a second, I'm really enjoying the parts of food freedom, but my body is also getting bigger and I don't mm. want it to get bigger. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel safe for it to get bigger. Yeah. Mm. And and then just sort of being, you know, like, I hear you. Mm-hmm. That sucks. And it's like, mm. yeah, it does. Now what? Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that probably is more of, and I think you say this a lot of that, like sitting in the suck. Like I think as providers, and I feel like, especially I see this with dietitians, but I'm sure any providers across the board, we want to be able to like fix people. And a lot of it's coming from this good place of wanting to like help yes. people. Yeah. but it can feel like you're kind of le- like floating in thin air when it's like, yeah, this does suck. Like, can we just like acknowledge that and sit in that instead of having to figure out like, okay, well, we're going to figure out your set weight. Like we're going to do these things and weights on the back burner. Um, Cause I know too, I know what you're saying about like providers and like, you know, we, these are things we were taught. Like, I know I've a hundred percent said that in sessions in the past of like, we're going to put weight on the back burner. And it, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that also sounds like, I don't know. It just sounds kind of like catchy where it's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to just, we'll put it on the back burner. That's good. Um, and I think that also like, and I appreciate your perspective because I don't live in a larger body. And so it's not something that I like have lived experience with, but could see how that's also like totally like pushing like a very real thing to the side too. That's like, yeah. Okay. But I Mm -hmm. am not comfortable in the body that I'm in. Yeah. I don't, I feel like I'm my like wheels are turning. No. And I just, I feel like they're, you know, a lot of providers, it's such a hurdle for them because Mm -hmm. they'll say like, I, I just don't feel like it's my space or my place to say Mm -hmm. anything. Like that's really a therapist job. And Mm -hmm. here's what I'm going to tell you is 
your client is choosing you as the provider Mm -hmm. and knows your body size. They are Mm -hmm. not shocked that you exist in a smaller body. Yeah. There's a very large chance, no pun intended, um, Mm -hmm. but there is a, a chance that they are coming to you seeing your body size and thinking, mm-hmm. I want to learn from her. I will mm-hmm. tell you, my yeah. own internalized anti-fatness, mm-hmm. I was not going to work with a person in a, in a, in a larger body. I, first mm-hmm. of all, didn't even know that dietitians could have been um, in a larger yeah. body. But mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, I'm picking, I'm working with somebody who's smaller. And mm-hmm. there was always that fear of like, oh, well, are they going to make me feel bad about my weight? And mm-hmm. so I always felt like I had to go in with like, here's all of the things that I've done. And so I specifically mm-hmm. started working with an eating disorder dietitian who, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was learning and, you know, trying to implement intuitive eating at the same time. And, mm-hmm. um, it was, a, it was a really powerful experience. And there were just things that I'm like, man, I wish she could have helped me in this. Mm-hmm. I wish she could have sat in this with me, um, and so like, let me give you an example of like, yeah. you know, so if a client says to you, I actually just asked this on my Instagram. So I just put up a poll and I said, if you have to pick one, which is more important to you, losing weight to feel better or feeling better without losing weight. Like if your mm. body does not change, will that be okay? Even mm. if I can say, we can get you to feel better. Mm-hmm. And then the second question I asked was, if you had to exist in a world where either you were in a smaller body or that people accepted folks in larger bodies, mm. which world would you want to live in? Yeah. And the reality is, I think a lot of us might say like, of course I want to live in a world where, where other bodies are accepted, mm-hmm. but I still mm-hmm. don't want to be fat. Yes. And yes. that Shakespeare says, I bears the rub, <laughs> right? Mm, like yes. that was in and of itself the issue because that mm. internalized anti-fat bias exists because the world has not been safe mm-hmm. to exist in a larger body. That mm-hmm. You can't even begin to conceptualize what would it look like to live in a world where bodies are accepted? Yeah. And like, it's of- hard to even picture that. Right. Right. Cause it's never even been a concept. Like mm-hmm. it's like, that doesn't even feel attainable. Mm-hmm. But I, I think a lot of times when, when I hear folks say I need to lose weight and I need to exist in a smaller body mm-hmm. is they don't want to lose the privilege that comes mm-hmm. with existing. In a yeah. Body. Yeah. And I feel like it's hard for people to admit that too, because it's really easy to hide under the radar of like, I just want to be healthy. I just want to feel better. And so I feel like that's such a good question to ask of like, okay, well, if you could lose or if you could feel better and your weight wouldn't change, like, because yeah. I think that can really help like, oh, like, so maybe there is more kind of like body image stuff there than I thought. I think a lot of people hide under the guise of health mm-hmm. and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really easy place to hide because especially like, you know, I had somebody say, Every time I go to the doctor, I am experiencing shame. So it then aligns itself with that belief that I need to be pursuing weight loss. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. or I need to be in a smaller body or I'm not going to get the care that I need. And what I say to folks is that that is a very real wound 
Mm -hmm. And you also have the right to autonomy. Mm -hmm. I will never tell a person what is the right or wrong decision to make for their body. Mm -hmm. What I will do is I want to make sure that folks are fully aware Mm -hmm. of the cost and potential benefit, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. of whatever, you know, procedure or um, Mm -hmm. path that they're taking. And so at the time of this recording, the GLP-1s are all of the range. That is all Mm -hmm. we're talking about. And then yesterday, CNN comes out with an article that says that people are experiencing stomach paralysis from the GLP. Yeah. And was that was that provided to you? Because I know yeah. it wasn't provided to me when my doctor had tried to put me on it. And mm-hmm. I was the one who had to keep saying no and wasn't taking no yeah. for an answer that I ended mm-hmm. up having to leave with the drug in my hand and threw mm-hmm. it right in the trash as soon as yeah. I got home. Because my mm. autonomy was not being honored. Mm. And what's so hard too is I feel like I talk about this with clients some where it's like you being like a clinician and an expert in the, the field experiencing that, like you may know like, okay, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to have to leave with this, but whatever, I'm not going to take it. Yeah. Someone else, it may be like, okay, I tried and I tried and I tried. They still gave it to me. So I guess I just have to take it. Like, that's just the only option. And then, you know, who knows? Next thing you know, they may have stomach paralysis or other side effects. I would just say, folks, um, I'm a very conflict avoidant person. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm just not the type to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to yell at this Mm -hmm. doctor and be like, you're not nuts. And so one of the ways that I learned to cope Mm -hmm. was, I, I get to leave and I never have to come back. Yeah. That is my, that is my, that is my power mm-hmm. move of, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I can smile away for, totally. you know, the minutes of this appointment. And if I don't feel good or safe, mm-hmm. I get to leave. I want to recognize that that is mm-hmm. privilege. I, I mm-hmm. am privileged to be able to do that. I have an insurance that allows me to be able mm-hmm. to pick multiple providers. Yeah. Um, <clears> and <throat> also too, like, I know how distressful it is you know, especially as somebody like I, I have chronic illness that it sucks to be in pain and then feel like you have to defend your pain mm-hmm. to your providers. That, that is the fat phobia mm-hmm. that I'm referring to when I say, would yeah. you rather live in a world where that didn't exist? Mm-hmm. But you can go to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, let's get curious. Let's figure out what's going on. Yeah. I'm sorry you're hearing this, experiencing mm-hmm. this. How do we, how can we collaborate together? Mm. but that's not what happens yes and yeah it's hard when you're existing in this space where you know for some people let's say they are working with like a dietitian or a therapist or someone who may be the only person in their life that actually is seeing them for like who they really are not just seeing them for like the size of their body and making assumptions recommendations etc based off of that where it's like okay for one hour a week for however long you know, yeah. I'm seeing this person, but then in everything else in my life, all people do is immediately see my size and think, oh, well, if that changed, then all this would be better. Exactly. It's, it's almost like a miracle fix. So that's actually a question I'll ask clients if I were doing a one-on-one session of like, mm-hmm. if you, if I had a magic wand mm-hmm. and I could fix any, any problem in your life, what, what would it be? And if they mm-hmm. say, I want to fix my body size. I just want to exist Mm -hmm. in a smaller body. Well, we need to understand why. What Mm -hmm. the problem is, is that a diet culture has caught on. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so now there's this real big push towards wellness of, mm-hmm. I just want to feel better. I want to have more energy. Mm-hmm. I have that energy. But let's think about all of the things that happens when a body loses weight. You get so many compliments from the people around you. You look phenomenal. You're looking great. I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. If we talk, if we know that there are signs that talking to plants helps them grow, how much more do we think that efficacy or that those adorations impact a human being? Mm. When you're getting that constant praise. How does that impact your self-esteem? Mm. So that's first. Yeah, that's uh, big. Second, you you know, my, I'll, I'll give an example. He won't mind. My dad went to the doctor, and it's been very stressful since we're mm. since we moved. Um, my dad is my roommate. My dad moved in with me. Oh. Um, <laughs> Because he's going to retire soon, so it just uh-huh. it just made sense. Oh, I love and, that. And uh, and he he accidentally lost weight from stress, mm. and the doctors congratulated him. He said, "Congratulations on losing mm. weight." And he goes, "Uh, no, <laughs> it was yeah. like I was stressed and not sleeping and not eating." And they're yeah. like, "But still, you lost mm. weight. How if somebody else in?" Mm. In a, in a vulnerable state. Now, my dad is not conflict avoidant. So my dad had no problem <laughs> yeah, being like, listen. Right, right. But he even recognized, no, this wasn't quote unquote yeah. good loss. Not yeah. all loss is good and not all weight gain is bad. But that, mm. is not, that is not the understanding that a lot of us or our clients have. It is totally weight loss is good and weight gain is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard to try and unlearn all of that in a society that's continuing to put that messaging out there that weight loss is good. Weight gain is bad that it's like so hard. And I feel like I tell clients that all the time where I'm like, I know this is so like countercultural and like hard to like actually learn and implement when you're having all these messages coming from everywhere. And like, a new diet pill, et cetera, out every week to like, yeah. quote unquote, fix things yeah. that makes it so hard. And this is, this is, this is why I've spent my, you know, the last, you know, four or five years really, really developing um, a solution to body grief. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like it's not really talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like we want to move straight into the body acceptance of like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't like this body. How do I accept it? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so my working definition for, for body grief is the distress mm-hmm. associated with the perceived loss of mm-hmm. body change. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not the, it's not, it's not the loss that causes you yeah. The, it's the, it's the loss that causes distress. It's the distressful part of mm-hmm. what if I can't go to the doctors and I can't mm-hmm. be taken seriously? Yeah. What if um, my partner stops loving me mm-hmm. because my body changes? <clears throat> what if I'm not taken seriously in my career? Mm-hmm. What if I'm denied housing or right there? The, the grief is really, is real. Mm-hmm. The oppression that exists is very real, but 
It is the distress associated with it. So now mm. where I'm sitting, which is in a place of acceptance, mm. I want to, I want to acknowledge, it doesn't mean that I love how my body looks. Cause I think that that is a big misconception in, in body image and body totally. positive body images. I love my yes. body. So I would say that positive body image for me is I, my perception of my body does not influence my beliefs. It mm-hmm. does not influence how I feel about my body and it doesn't influence how I treat my body. Mm-hmm. That yes. it's like, it's almost like saying I only love my kids when they are behaving. Yes. Yes. I, I only love my kids when they do what I want them to do. I, mm-hmm. I love this body mm-hmm. because it is, I believe mm-hmm. that this body is worthy at its smallest and larger than this. That doesn't mean I like it. That doesn't mean that my life is easy. That doesn't mean that I don't experience um, exclusion. Mm. But my life is no longer hard mm. because of the grief around my body. Mm. It doesn't weigh on me anymore of, oh my gosh, am I going to fit in? What are they going to say? Mm-hmm. What do they think? And if I go to a doctor's office and I have a bad experience, I can call out bullshit and say, yeah. that's crap and that's mm-hmm. not acceptable. And I deserve better. Yeah. I get comments on the internet, making comments about my body and mm-hmm. say, I can bless and release that because yeah. I will wipe my tears with my, you know, all of the money I make from saving <laughs> lives and helping people yes. in my house that I bought myself. Like, yeah, I, 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 I am self-assured, like I'm confident Mm -hmm. that my worthiness, Mm. my love, my acceptance is not contingent on how my body looks. Doesn't mean it's not work, but I believe that is what most aligns with my values. Mm. I like just need to like drop my mic now. I'm like, yes, (laughs) everything she's saying, like, (laughs) and I can keep going. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) Like preach girl. (laughs) Oh, that's, it's so good. And I feel like body ever because you are where I learned about body grief and I feel like that is like such a missing link in this like body image conversation and makes me so glad that it's something you talk about and like that you know you have created courses and work with people um because yeah I think it's easy to think and assume that we're just supposed to jump from like hating our body yeah. to loving our body without creating this space to like mourn and grieve what maybe once was, what we thought we would get to, what someone maybe yeah. told us we'd get to. And even when you were talking about like the comments and the praise that people get, I feel like that's something that like feeds into all of it too, where it's like, okay, well, when I did lose weight, when I was in that smaller body, I got all this attention and this praise. Right. So if I change, if I gain weight because I'm like healing, what are people going to think then? Or when those comments go away, it's like, oh, so do they not like think I'm beautiful now? Do they not care about like it just, and that's why I'm like, please just don't comment on people's bodies. (laughs) Like it just, it's not a compliment. Well, people will say to me is like, and, and not, not thin people, but people, Mm. mostly people in larger bodies are like, well, if you're grieving this, why don't you just change Mm. 
why don't you, why don't you try to change your body? Mm. And at, it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I had to choose between existing in a smaller body with an eating disorder mm-hmm. or living in a larger body without one. Yeah. Mm. And, and so the mental mm-hmm. toll that existing in a larger body, I'm sorry, that existing in a smaller body cost me, mm-hmm. it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't worth, it wasn't worth, you know, yeah, maybe being able to go to a family party and know that I'm going to get tons of compliments, mm-hmm. but then sit and think the entire time about all of the food on the table or mm-hmm spend hours trying to calculate what I was allowed to eat and how much of it. And then, I'll, mm-hmm. and then, you know, then, you know, maybe going and binging afterwards because I denied myself everything there. It wasn't worth going to the doctor's office and, you know, being all proud that I had lost weight successfully. And then again, um, you know, leaving and, you know, I don't know, seeing myself in the reflection and still hating myself in the mirror. Yeah, and, and and I I don't know if I talked about this last time, but I actually had had weight loss surgery uh, yeah. many many moons ago, mm-hmm. and I remember I was just waiting for the moment that I stopped hating the reflection. Mm-hmm. I was like, when does that go away? Mm-hmm. And I had asked somebody in my life who had had weight loss surgery, and and they said there's no surgery for that. Mm. Yeah, that that like gave me goosebumps because that's so so true. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, you, you think it's going to fix everything. It's just like any other pill diet, whatever else is out there. You think like, this is going to be the solution, especially when, you know, maybe weight loss surgery feels like that, like last straw of like, okay, I've tried all these things. Now I'm going to do the weight loss surgery or wherever it may, any of these things may fall in a lineup. You, yeah. you kind of think like, okay, well that diet didn't work or this thing didn't work. So maybe this is finally going to fix it without realizing, no, probably the deeper thing is what can I do to actually get to a place of first, you know, grieving this body that I like yeah. wanted to be in or thought I was supposed to be in or, you know, this, the world that we live in and how they treat bodies to then help me move to a place of accepting my body. And I'm I'm so glad that you said the comment of like, it doesn't mean you love and just are obsessed with your body every day. Cause I think that's a huge misconception is people think yes. like, okay, I'm just going to wake up every day and be like, I look amazing. I'm so hot. And like, sure, maybe you'll have days like that, but it's not going to, that's not, that's kind of, that's not the goal. It's like, you're not gonna have this like perfect euphoria with your body. I, I, again, like I'm going to use an analogy, like, <laughs> um, you're, you're married, right? Mm-hmm. You a partner. Yeah. Do you wake up every day just being like, I absolutely <laughs> love my partner to all the, mm, just every second of the day. Or when, no. you know, leaves his socks on the ground, you're like mother effer. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> that is what happens in relationships, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, oh, love is a choice, baby. Love yes. Is a choice. Yes. The same goes for your body. Yeah. The same oh, yes. thing you said for your body is that I can be kind mm-hmm. and compassionate and respectful to my body without having to love it. Yeah. And yes. through that, love, love can be born from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cause I even think, I mean, I love the analogy with thinking about my husband where it's like, 
yeah, there may be days where he's really annoying me. But at the end of the day, I still love him. I still choose him. I still want to be with him. So it's like, how can we create that same mentality with our body where it's like, okay, there's days where maybe you're picking it apart and you're not feeling great in it, but how can you still, I think you said something along these lines of like, still like take care of your body and still show up for yourself and still really prioritize like true wellness and health, not what, you know, society tells us wellness and health is. Since we're allowed to curse on the podcast, something that I'll say to my clients, because they, they like roll their eyes when you say like body compassion or body kindness. I'm like, yeah. how we just stop being dicks to our bodies? Yeah. Okay. Just, yes. And like, think of like a Karen, like mm-hmm. you don't be a troll to yourself. Yes. Oh, it's you, good. Yes. And if you wouldn't speak this way to anybody else, yeah, probably a good indicator that mm-hmm, I could, yes. I could probably be nicer to myself. I could probably speak yes. to myself in a way that I'm like, all right, I wouldn't really say that to anybody else. So it's not going to feel like, yes. wow, I just changed the way that I thought. It's going to be like, I yes. know. So yeah. It's like when you make your kids apologize for each other, it's, I'm yes. sorry. Yes. Really, over yes. time, we can develop a practice that's like, mm-hmm. actually, you know what? I'm really, I'm really grateful for my mm-hmm. body. Yeah. You don't start with gratitude. You mm-hmm. don't start with love. Mm-hmm. You build to it. Yeah. And you start with compassion. Yeah. Uh, I could literally talk about this forever. I feel like there's one more thing I want to ask before we wrap up. So for clinicians listening um, and people, because I know, like I said, this is for sure something I've said in the past of like, we're going to put weight on the back burner, or like talking about set point weight and, you know, utilizing that. What are things that clinicians can do to like help clients in that body grief process versus jumping to like, we're going to put weight on the back burner or like, well, we're going to get to your set point weight, AK, like maybe you are going to lose weight. Like what are things that actually would be helpful for someone who is healing their relationship with their body? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Which I know you're, it's like, you also have so many resources for that. So first follow Brie body, and look out. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, it's really the heart behind my, my bootcamp yeah. is because I, I know a lot of providers, they look for a script. They're like, Oh no, what did Brie say? Yeah. What did you say that episode? What mm-hmm. I want you to do is I want you to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm, I that's want good. You first you need to dig into your own anti-fat bias. How is it showing up? What is the narrative that's coming through your head? Do you get yeah. like, oh my God, what if they do have quote unquote bad blood work that comes back and mm. they gain weight and everybody's freaking out? Are you able to yeah. hold the line and say, yeah, uh, none of this is as important as their mental health, that mm. I would rather them have bad blood work than have an eating disorder. Like, yeah. are you able to hold that too? Mm. Um, I don't ever ask my clients to go anywhere where I haven't gone myself. And Mm. so if I'm going to explore something with them, I need to make sure I've done it first. Yeah, that's good. Just checking in with your own, uh, you know, your own beliefs, your own Mm -hmm. um, anti-fat bias, your own hurdles. And and then third third, third and foremost is just not looking for a script. I really rely on motivational interviewing. I don't know if I would call it traditional motivational interviewing, but it's definitely like, I am not looking for the right answer. Mm -hmm. I am looking for why, why is there 
a lack of motivation for change in this area. Mm-hmm. What is the hurdle and how do we find another way to it? Yeah. That's mm. it. Gosh. That's it. And it's, it's so, so good. hard. It's yeah. so hard. Oh, it's, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it is so hard. And a lot of it, I talk about this probably almost every episode on the podcast, I swear, and talk about it all the time where I feel like especially, and obviously I can speak from the Spanish point, being a dietitian, it may be the case with medical providers, therapists, et cetera. But I know as dietitians, what we're taught in school is, I mean, saturated in fat phobia and the smaller you are, the better you are and calories and all of this. So even for all the dietitians listening and myself included, it's like, I've had to spend so much time and money, like unlearning things that I spent money to learn, um, to actually provide better care for my clients. Um, so even, you know, if there's people listening who are like, oh my gosh, I like am doing so much harm. It's like, we, when you know better, you can do better. You know, like, it's like, we're taught all this stuff in school. So of course we're going to, yeah. And it's the same thing of like holding compassion for yourself Mm -hmm. of, and and when providers tell me they don't want to commit harm, um, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. impossible. Like harm is going to happen. So the approach Mm -hmm. we want to take is a harm reduction model. We want to limit as much harm as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how do we do that? For me, it's learning from folks with that lived experience. Totally. I don't have that experience. I have nothing to base it off. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And that, I mean, that's why I love utilizing your resources for body image, because for me, I'm like, I don't have lived experience in this area. And there are tons of body image resources out there. Some may be great, some not so great, but I'm like, I want to learn from someone who has lived experience that I don't have because I know they've experienced things that I haven't. And, but it's also things that my clients who live in larger bodies have experienced. And so for me to better serve them is learning from people like you. Well, thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, so yeah, for people listening, um, where I know we've talked some about your courses and I believe, I think this is right. You have like courses geared specific to clinicians, but then also specific just to regular non-clinician people for those that are struggling with their body image. Yes. 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 And I know that those, um, courses are, uh, a little bit, you know, on the pricier side, just mm-hmm. because I, um, you know, there, it's a lot of knowledge packed into yeah. courses, but, yeah. um, depending on when this airs, I actually mm-hmm. have a, a course coming out that is going to be for both providers mm-hmm. and uh, as I call them, body grievers. Uh, yes, yeah. that's right. Body grievers. I was like, I know you have a word for it, but I cannot yeah. remember what it is. <laughs> body grievers. Yeah. For mm-hmm. those that are just grieving their bodies. Um, yeah. so it'll be, it, it'll be sort of like a starting place yeah. for folks who want to understand body Amazing. grief and how to shift into body acceptance. So mm-hmm. that program actually launches in, uh, August and the program is Amazing. called the vault breeze body image <gasps> vault. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I think actually this podcast will probably, when people are listening to it now, it is probably September, October. So then that will be out. Perfect timing. Um, So yes, we will make sure all of that is in the show notes. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, Bree, just for taking time to have this conversation and sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the free method podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review that helps others discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at free method nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.